This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Honan, providing a complete range of insurance, risk and financial solutions. Bundy's called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stubborn as bulls and talk their own book. Get the money, get the money, get, get the money. Welcome to Talk Your Book. I'm Chris Judd and today we're joined by John Forward from Lau Resources Funds Management. John, thanks very much for coming back on the show. Chris, it's great to be back and to be doing it in person for the first time, so thanks for having me. Now, uh, before we get to your, your stock pick of choice, I thought it'd be good for you to take us through Lowell Resources Funds Management and a little bit about your investment philosophy and, and uh, how you guys approach markets. Sure, thanks Chris. Look, we are very focused on the junior resources sector. Um, we uh, like to take a fair bit of technical risk. I'm a geologist by background. Um, so we like to look for projects that are going to have lots of upside through the drill bit. Um, and for example, our biggest holding, I think we might have spoken about a few years ago, Predictive Discovery, um, made a big discovery in West Africa a couple of years ago and it went from uh, half a cent to currently trading just under under 20 cents. So that's the sort of upside we, we look for in our, in our portfolio. We're um, uh, across the commodity spectrum. So today we're going to talk a bit about iron ore, but um, we've got uh, a fairly overweight exposure to, to gold. Uh, and we do everything right through to energy and oil and gas. And what stock did you want to talk about today? Yeah, it's a very interesting little company called CZR Resources, which is ASX listed. And so we'll get into the particulars of its deposits in a minute, but as an iron ore hopeful, maybe just a, a little bit about the iron ore market more broadly, how it's been trading for perhaps for those that haven't been following it overly closely. Yeah, look, um, like a lot of assets, it's, it's come off o over the last uh, six or 12 months or so. Um, the benchmark price is trading around $90 uh, US per tonne, which is still a very handsome price um, when you look at uh, you know, um, the long term. Um, Particularly the Aussie dollar, where it is as well. It's sort yeah, of if, I just was this morning looking at the chart overlaying the um, uh, Aussie dollar on the iron ore price, and while they're not... Um, you know, uh, um, in the same proportions, the, the trend line is almost exactly the same. So Aussie dollars come down from what, 76, 70 cents to the US dollar. Um, uh, uh, iron ore peaked at over 200 bucks a, a tonne and now around, around 90 US dollars. But in Aussie dollar terms, it's still um, a fantastic margin. If you look at, um, for example, you know, the Rio Tintos or the Fortescues of the world, um, you know, their cash costs are in the 15 to 20 dollars a ton and yeah you know in in, uh, in Aussie dollars they're getting well north of um, 100 bucks a ton so it's it's fantastic business to be in at the moment. Now I know you're very much a bottom-up uh, investor focusing on uh, stock specific uh, ideas and issues but from my perspective I've been thinking a lot about the iron ore market because it is really unloved at the minute and I think the the bearish case is really easy um, you know near on half uh, iron ore is sold to China and China mm. property market is tumbling and uh, large parts of their economy are in and out of lockdown and, and XYZ. But the bullish case, from my perspective, I'm potentially thinking about a, a potential uh, reshoring of, of supply chains in, in the Western world. We've had a world mm. with globalisation where manufacturing was outsourced to, to lower cost countries and a lot of that appears to be coming back onshore as, as Western countries look to shore up their supply chains. 
And then also the idea that we hear about the Fed pivot a lot, but the idea that, that China's going to potentially pivot at some stage, open up their economy and, and start to, to stimulate some demand. Are, are those top-down things sort of reasonable for, for investors to be thinking about, do you think? I think so, particularly in relation to iron ore, where um, you know, iron ore demand you know, is, uh, matches GDP um, reasonably, reasonably closely. Um, I think in terms of the reshoring and the potential for a capex boom, I don't know if you follow a chap, uh, um, a chap out of Scotland called um, Russell Napier. Yeah. He is talking about a massive capex boom over the next 15 to, to 20 years. Um, look, hopefully he's, he's right. Certainly it's, it's really required in, in industries like, um, like mining where there's been a lot of underinvestment. The big guys have been very disciplined in their capital um, but um, have been actually doing share buybacks and paying dividends rather than reinvesting in their own businesses. So um, there's real potential for a capex boom. Uh, it will be really interesting to see what happens in China post the party congress and the um, election of Xi for his, his third term. Um, uh, the, proof will, the proof will be in the pudding there. Having said that, there has been a lot of stimulus um, happening in China um, leading up to this party congress. Um, it hasn't actually started to bite yet, but hopefully once now we've got some clear air, we might see that actually happening. And now on, on CZR, maybe talk us through their, their different deposits. Yeah, look, um, the main focus is this uh, Robe Mesa deposit. They've got a small licence which is surrounded by um, Rio Tinto um, iron ore operations, plus um, there are a number of other mid-tier um, companies in the region, such as Mineral Resources. Um, they're sitting on a resource of uh, around 37 million tonnes at 56% FE203, which is, uh, yeah, look, it's not the um, benchmark grade of 62%, um, but it's still an extremely saleable product, which Rio Tinto, they've been basically mining the same deposit that um, CZR are sitting on. CZR have just got a piece of it in their licence. Interestingly, it was actually a, the, uh, an old stock route, um, and that's why it wasn't in the state agreement that Rio Tinto had. Mm. So Rio Tinto are all around them, and they've got this sort of sliver which is still represent about 10% uh, of the total uh, the reserve that Rio Tinto have. So it's not insubstantial. And there's definitely a play there with Rio being right on their boundary. And their resource has been growing with consistent graze. How much mm. bigger do you think it can grow from the 70, 37 million tonnes? Uh, look, um, I think there's um, some, definitely some more upside. It won't be, it won't be uh, order of magnitude, um, given the size of their licence. But what they have done, initially they did a PFS um, and was just focused on the upper, uh, these are called Channel Island deposits, it's focused on the upper one which basically outcrops. And the, the previous drilling went through that, stopped. But um, the more recent drilling has gone through that, gone through a, a, a relatively thin layer of waste and then into another Channel Island deposit which is basically the same, same grade, which is fantastic. So that's um, ended up um, you know, potentially doubling the resource and we expect that the reserve look um, they're looking at an eight to ten year mine life at north of or three million tonnes per annum or more so that means you're talking about a reserve of at least 30 million tonnes and possibly you know north of 40 or 50 million tonnes. And it's got a pretty unique relationship with Mark Creasy now there'll be some people watching this that aren't overly big into the resources space but certainly in, in WA Mark Creasy's a, a legendary figure mm. 
sort of a billionaire prospector that drives around an old Toyota and just continues <laughs> to find the most amazing mineral deposits. Yeah. Uh, maybe give us an outline of, of what that relationship, the commercial relationship looks like between CZR and Mark Creasy, and then maybe just a, an overview of, of, of just what a dominant factor he is in, uh, in the smaller resources space in Australia. Mm. So in relation to CZR, basically Creasy, you know, has seeded the projects into the, into the company. He holds 55% of the company. Uh, the company's currently doing a rights issue. I understand that Creasy is going to take um, at least 25% of that and, and possibly more. Um, and uh, so Creasy has a big chunk of the company and he holds the minority interests in the joint venture assets. So in relation to the Robmisa project, he's got a 15% joint venture interest. In relation to some of CZR's sort of second tier projects, he's got up to a 30% 30% interest. But you know, as you say, Creasy is uh, Australia's most famous prospector. Um, perhaps his most uh, well-known recent success was the Nova Bollinger um, uh, nickel PGM discovery in the Fraser Range down in, in southern Western Australia, um, which went on to be a, a multi-billion-dollar company um, uh, and has been taken out by independents. So um, that's just one example. He, he um, ended up, years ago, he, he discovered the um, Jundee and Bronzewing deposits, which were sold um, to Great Central. So he's got, he's probably the largest private mineral rights holder in, in West Australia, if not, if not the whole country. Does so he just do Western Australia? Does he? he no, he, look, I've talked to him about other places. Um, you know, he's, um, he's been in Tasmania, he's been in, you know, elsewhere. He's, in, he's involved in South Australia, I believe. Okay. But his main focus is, uh, is Western Australia, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and you mentioned that the PFS has been completed. What were the highlights from that? Yeah, look, um, that was, uh, I think, uh, done in quite a different um, uh, price environment, but on quite a much smaller, smaller resource. Um, and, just, and, that, and that was just done on that top uh, Channel Island, Channel, channel um, uh, Iron deposit. So um, the results were um, very positive. Um, the IRR was, was superb. The, um, importantly, the CapEx was very low. Um, I think the CapEx was in the sort of the $50 million range, which is well within the um, capital access capabilities of a small company. Um, CZR has a market cap of around just under 50, 50 million dollars. So while it would be a stretch, um, I think for them to raise 50 or even 100 million dollars um, with the assistance of um, things like NAIF, the Northern Australian Infrastructure Fund, um, other, other debt products plus some equity, you would expect that uh, Mark Creasy would um, be able to support a, you know, the equity piece of a project financing. So um, yeah, look, uh, that PFS was, was very positive. But uh, the company realised that there was a lot more potential there. There was actually a board reshuffle that happened um, within the last 12 months, um, brought on some uh, real iron ore development expertise. The MD, Stephen Murphy, um, he's ex-BHP. Uh, one of his more recent roles was um, CEO of uh, a company that brought on the Roper River iron ore project in, in the Northern Territory. And the chairman, the new chairman, Russell Clark, he used to run a company called Grange Resources, which um, had the uh, iron ore project, uh, iron ore producing operation Savage River in, in Tasmania. So there's some really good um, iron ore development um, expertise now within the, within the company, which is going to drive it forward. And what's the access to infrastructure 
like for season look, that's, there. Sorry, Chris, that's what it's all about in, in terms of a bulk commodity like like iron ore. Um, so getting it to port is the getting the product to port is the is the big one. Um, the PFS was actually done on um, trucking the iron ore. I think it's just over 400 kilometres to Port Hedland, and that's a that's a pretty hefty truck. But um, and and uh, since then the diesel price has obviously uh, gone up. So um, there's there's a number of other options. The, the the leading one of which I understand is the Port of Onslow or Port of Ashburton in Onslow, which is um, only around 100 or so k's um, to from the project. Um, to get there, they would have to um, put in 30 kilometres of road, and they're actually talking about having that as a sealed road, which is um, fairly unusual for a, for a mining project, but um, would mean they wouldn't have any problem with the wet season or anything mm. like that. Um, and the capital for that is sort of, I think, around $20, $20 million. So that's the big big chunk of, chunk of the capex. And then there's um, uh, on-site infrastructure like um, a mining camp, um, contractors lay down area, um, and they need to do uh, put in crushing and screening. But it's very, very simple processing. They, they do call it direct shipping ore, um, but it does need a little bit of crushing and screening to get it to the right, uh, right size. And when's the DFS due? That's actually um, uh, steaming ahead, so um, the company's advised that uh, they expect it in Q1 next year, so it could be you know, only three months away. And at, at prices around these sorts of levels, let's call it 100 bucks US mm. a tonne, what sort of cash flow can you see a, a company like this producing over a nine or ten year life of mine? Look, um, they're targeting um, a uh, operating cost of 55 Aussie dollars or less per tonne, um, and uh, at current prices in Aussie dollar terms, that would give them a margin um, in up, up to 60 bucks Aussie a tonne. So if you're talking about, they're talking about a minimum of three million tonnes per annum, that's 180 million dollars Aussie mm. a year. So. It's a hell of a lot of money for a company that's um, only capped at just under $50 million. Yeah. And that, that's, that's why we like the potential economics. And talk to me about the proximity to Rio Tinto's Road Valley assets. Can you see a world where they'd say, we might as well just increase our deposit size by 10% and, and buy this and save these guys having to build out their own infrastructure? Absolutely. Um, Rio Tinto have been drilling with, uh, I think it might be up to eight or 10 rigs right up to the property boundary. And you can see from the, the drone photos, like there's a series of drill holes that Rio have drilled on one side <laughs> and uh, CZR, you know, literally 100 metres away have been, been drilling. So um, uh, apparently Rio Tinto are shorter tonnes in their, um, their Road Valley iron ore operations. I've heard it might be up to 10 million tonnes per annum that they could have capacity to fill. Um, so while um, CZR might, uh, might only have, say, 10% of what Rio Tinto have got in, in Rio's Road Valley operations, it's still um, it's exactly the same product, it's the same deposit, um, and it would still um, you know, go quite some way to filling the potential hole that, that Rio have. So I think that you know, Rio really like to see the boxes tick, like Heritage in particular, um, Native Title, uh, mining license, all that sort of stuff. So that's in process. We're hoping that, uh, well, the company's hoping that um, all those boxes will be ticked by um, mid next year and the mining license will be granted. So 
I could see a situation where once that happens that there's um, Rio Tinto says, look, we'll just fold this into our operation. There's already been, um, I think it's quite a good relationship between CZR and Rio Tinto, according to CZR. And, you know, if you want to, if, if you talk about stri uh, strip ratios and pit walls, so say the property boundary's there, you know, you're going to, you need a pit wall. If you're going to have two different mines, you're going to have a pit wall that goes like that, and all this bit in, in between will be missed. Mm. So, yeah, much better to have it all under one, one operation. But um, that's what we always say to our investee companies. You've got to be in charge of your own destiny. You've got to have a plan that will um, not rely on a third party. And um, that's what CZR are doing. They're, they're steaming along to do it 100% themselves. And if an offer they can't refuse comes along, well, fantastic. Yeah. And they've also got some gold exploration assets. They've had some, some nice looking kits. Talk to me about them and, and how you're viewing those. Yeah, well, look, um, we like those assets. They are second tier, obviously, but um, one of our largest investments is uh, DeGray Mining with the, with the Hemi um, gold discovery, which is nine million ounces. Um, and uh, that was found under about 40 metres of, of sand cover. Uh, but it's on the same belt as um, CZR's um, Croydon Gold Project. Uh, and so CZR have done some drilling um, on their Croydon Gold Project. Top, at Top Camp, they got two metres at 22 grams a tonne. I think they might have got eight metres at 10 grams a tonne. So some really exciting sniffs. Haven't been able to hang it together. What they've done is gone back and done some more geophysics and used the same techniques that were used to find HEMI. Um, which is an intrusive, which is a, like a granite hosted, if you like, um, gold deposit. So they're looking for granites, they're looking for the geophysical signature of these intrusives. Um, and they'll hopefully be able to identify that with this new geophysical work they're doing. And then they'll go and target that. So they were hoping to get drilling there again um, by the end of this year. Wet season's probably starting to get pretty warm up there. So I'm not sure if that'll happen, but um, certainly next year there'll be some, hopefully some excitement come out of those gold projects. And if they do hit in those gold projects, do you see them getting spun out? It's sort of a bit of a, a messy mix, having an iron ore company mixed with precious metals. How, do, how would you see that playing out? Absolutely, I mean, um, for a um, acquirer, be it Rio Tinto or whatever, they won't be interested in, in the gold projects. Um, and there are, um, they've got an, CZR have got another um, set of gold base metal projects at Butterdo down you know, um, inland from Geraldton. Uh, so there's, there's a nice package there that, that could well be spun out in, in the right market. And um, we haven't mentioned, but um, uh, CZR have other iron ore projects in their portfolio, which would naturally go with the, with the Robe Mesa project. Yeah. Brilliant. It's a brilliant summary. Great to have someone on with such deep industry uh, industry expertise so thanks very much for coming back on the show absolute pleasure chris thank you thanks john cheers this episode of talk your book was proudly brought to you by honan who go beyond a transactional insurance broker to deliver better outcomes for their clients if you're enjoying talk your book make sure you subscribe to chris judd invest